Come follow me, the Savior said, then let us in his footsteps tread. For thus alone can we be one with God's own This is Lexi Austin, and you are listening to The Savior Said, a weekly podcast dedicated to my musings and observations on the New Testament and the Gospel of Jesus Christ. I will be using the Come Follow Me curriculum of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. This curriculum can be found at comefollowme.churchofjesuschrist.org. For more content, follow me on Facebook at facebook.com slash thesaviorsaid. Hey guys, welcome back. This is the episode for August 12th through 18th. Romans 7 through 16, and it is titled Overcome Evil with Good. And we are going to be talking a lot about, in Paul's writings to the Romans this week, he discusses a lot about the warring that happens within us, the warring between the natural man and spiritual desires. You know, we want to do good, but we are tempted by the natural man. And how do we, you know, put those together and come into Christ in the middle of all this? And so that's what he's talking about a lot this week. And of course, he's bringing in the law of Moses and the law of faith and all that stuff that he talked about previously in Romans as well. All right, so as we open up and come follow me, the introduction says, as he opened his epistle to the Romans, Paul greeted church members in Rome by calling them beloved of God who are called to be saints. He remarked that their faith was spoken of throughout the world. And even though Paul spent much of his epistle correcting false ideas and flawed behaviors, it seems he also wanted to assure these new Christian converts that they truly were saints who were beloved of God. And I love that there in the introduction because it is, it's perfect. It describes how Paul is teaching. And again, you know, Paul, like I've said the last couple episodes, he is the master teacher. He knows his audience and he teaches to his audience. And so in this situation, he knew that if he came in and was just, you know, finger wagging at them, like, don't do this and don't do this and don't do this. Like it would probably turn a lot of them off. I think it would turn a lot of us off if someone came in and said, Hey, you're doing everything wrong. Let me tell you how to do it. Um, instead he comes in and he tells them how much he loves them. He tells them how much his father in heaven loves them. Um, he kind of builds them up a little bit saying, you know, your faith is spoken of throughout the world. And, you know, it must have been if Paul's heard about it when he's, you know, not even been to Rome yet. And, you know, he talks about them being called to be saints. I mean, so he's building them up here. And then, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about how you guys are kind of going astray, but we're going to talk about how God's love makes that better. And so I hope as we read these verses in the scriptures and we read about all the different, you know, ways that we can possibly go astray, that we will keep in mind the love that our Heavenly Father has for us, and that when He corrects us, He does it with love, and He brings us back to Him. And that's what that's what that's all about, right? All right, introduction says, He went on to share tender counsel for all of us who struggle to feel beloved and for whom saintliness may seem out of reach. Be not overcome with evil, He said, both evil in the world and evil in ourselves, but overcome evil with good. And that's from Romans 12, 21 from our reading this week. All right. So this was a like massive whopping huge section of scripture. Like, bam. I mean, we had from it's Romans 7 to 16. Like, that's a lot. But when you actually go down and you like look into it, it's really not that much. The chapters are pretty short and they read pretty quickly. I read it and then I also listened to it too, which was an interesting experience. I listened to the audio version of it while I was walking my dog one day and I listened to the whole thing within 45 minutes. So it really wasn't that long, but it's still, I mean, it's, it's pretty hefty, but I feel like 
Paul has a lot of repetition in here, and I don't know if that's just how he wrote or if that was how he talked or what, but I feel like there's lots of repetition, but there's also some really fresh good stuff in there too, so we're going to talk about all that. The first section in Come Follow Me that we come across, it, it says, if I follow the Spirit, I can overcome sin and prepare for an inheritance with God. And it goes on to say, even after entering into a newness of life through the ordinance of baptism, perhaps you have felt some of the inner conflict Paul described in Romans 7, the warring between the natural man and our righteous desires. And so here's what he's talking about in Romans 7. It's Romans 7, 23 through 25. And he says, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Christ our Lord. So then with my mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. Alright, so what he's describing here I see is like the civil war that happens within each and every one of us. Um, you know, again, it's the natural man versus the righteousness of God. Like, which one are we going to choose? And again, I think the whole purpose of this life is to come down here and align our body and align our wills and our spirit and our minds to what Heavenly Father wants us to do. But that is a whole lot easier said than done a lot of times, especially when we are experiencing like this inner civil war. And I was trying to think this week, I was like, how am I experiencing, you know, this inner civil war in myself? Because I can tell you as a teenager with like hormones raging and stuff like that, like, yeah, there were lots of really good examples of how, you know, that inner civil war could possibly take place. You know, I'm at parties, people are drinking, do I do this? Do I not do this? You know, oh, there's this really cute boy, like, you know, there's all kinds of, you know, inner turmoil kind of stuff going on with that. But as a grown-up, like a married woman, like... I don't have the same amount of temptations in my life, like, or I guess the same, like, overt temptations, the same, like, array of temptations that would be present in the life of, like, a teenager, right? So I was like, how does my inner man war with me? Like, how am I constantly fighting against my inner man? And I had one of those moments where, you know, I was praying to my Heavenly Father, and I said, Heavenly Father, you know, what lack I get? That kind of thing. Like, Heavenly Father, show me where my weaknesses are. Show me where my inner man is fighting against, you know, what you think is good and right. And he showed me two different spots this week, which were really interesting to me. Um, and they both came from a podcast that I was listening to, and it's not a church podcast. It's a women's health podcast. Um, it's called The Sarah and Dr. Brooks Show, if you want to go look it up. But there were two different episodes that made me think of the inner man warring with like my spiritual self. Or the first podcast episode was about the issue of body image. Um, how do we see ourselves? How do we see our bodies? How do we have body confidence and things like that? Which I'm like, okay, that's good. I think, you know, any woman really would benefit from listening to this episode. So I go in and I start listening to it. And they're talking not only about like, you know, do you think you're fat? Do you think you're too thin? But then they're also talking about like, how, how do you feel about your body? Like, you know, are you happy with your body? Are you not happy with your body? Like, do you want to be healthy? Like they're talking about all these different things. And I started realizing like, oh my gosh, like I have become super negative about my body. Um, and it's, it's a whole combination of things, you know, illness, and then also just feeling chunky. You know, I've always struggled with weight, weight, something that I really, really struggle with. And so I actually even found myself the other day, I took a picture with a friend and, you know, it was a cute picture and everything like that. But I was like, oh, I hate this picture because I look fat in it. 
And I'm like, you are, like, with a friend, like, and it's a really good memory. Like, why does that make you mad? And I go back and I look at the pictures I've taken, like, on vacation this past year. And I'm like, oh, I look fat in those. And, like, that's the first thing I think. Not about, like, the good memories that I made there or the good times I had or the people who are in the picture. Like, that is the first thing that comes to my mind. And I don't think that my Heavenly Father wants, oh, I look fat, to be a descriptor that I would place upon myself. Like, I don't think he's okay with that. And I also started thinking about, you know, all the different ways, like, I'm just, like, upset at my body because, you know, it doesn't do what I want it to do. You know, I'm constantly fighting it from feeling sick and ill, and I can't eat the stuff I want to eat, and, you know, I'm constantly fighting that, and I have really gotten to the point where I'm really down about my body. Like, I'm really not happy with it. And it took some soul-searching this week, and because I know my Heavenly Father doesn't want me to live that way. And I know that that is the natural man. This is like the world that I live in impressing itself upon some of the ways that I view my body. But also I I know that I have natural inclination towards feeling badly about myself. And so I think, again, Satan's pressing my buttons because if he can make me feel bad about myself, then, you know, I'm focused so much on my body. I'm not really paying attention to spiritual type stuff, or maybe I'll be too ashamed of what I look like to like go to church or something like that. You know, he pushes those buttons. And so that was something I really saw that the natural man and the spiritual side of myself were kind of warring against. Um, And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in just a minute, but that was one of the spots I saw it. Um, another spot where I saw this was again in that same podcast, but different episode. They talked about overwhelm and like what happens when you're overwhelmed. And one of the the presenter that they were talking to, the guest on the podcast, was saying that she noticed when she was overwhelmed, she was really irritable and snappy. And so whenever she got to the point where she was like really irritable and snappy, she had to take a step back and be like, okay, so is this situation is what is making me irritable and snappy or is there something else going on and I'm reacting to the situation because it's like kind of like a flame with a powder keg and all of a sudden I'm exploding, you know? And so I kind of saw that this week where I had a situation, you know, I'm in my new library and I'm starting to take care of the collection and... I really got really, really mad at the librarian who had been there before I was because the collection really wasn't in a good shape. You know, there are lots of old books in there and it's going to mean lots of work for me. And so I found myself kind of like not gossiping about her, but not being nice about her and saying like bad stuff about her to other people. And I was like, that's not good, Lexi, because you right now are not upset about this collection. It doesn't matter if the kids walk in and they have 10-year-old books on the shelves because you know what? They had 10-year-old books on the shelves last year too. Like, they'll survive. Like, it's not about that. This is about you being uncomfortable in a new environment and not happy about being in a new environment. And this is about you funneling that into the negativity about this previous librarian. And that's your inner man. Again, I'm like this physical body that I am in. This is how it's like funneling my inner angst or whatever about a current situation into something really negative that I don't need to be doing. I don't need to be talking badly about this person because she doesn't deserve it, right? She doesn't deserve it. Like, it's not something that I need to be doing as, you know, a follower of Jesus Christ. I don't need to be talking bad about anyone. And I'm not doing it for a healthy reason either. Like, I'm not, it's not solving anything. It's just me, you know, venting but not actually having anything to vent because 
The issue isn't the lady. The issue is my feelings about like my current situation, right? So it took lots of self-realization like to come to this point. So those were the two places where I really saw my natural man kind of warring against who I am in body image. And then and also how I act when I get stressed out and how I, you know, my actions that, you know, in that case, you know, I was talking badly about someone. That's, that's a sin, right? You're stabbing someone in the back, basically. And so being stressed out actually caused that sin. And so that's something I've been, you know, repenting with my Heavenly Father and asking for forgiveness and stuff for that all week long because I felt so badly about that. But it was one of those situations where I realized that's where that subtle warring of the natural man versus what I want spiritually to be like kind of comes into play. And so again, it's not overt like it would be like to a teenager where, oh, come take a drink of alcohol or, oh, come do this with this boy or, you know, things like that. It it wasn't overt like that. It's something much more subtle. And I think sometimes those subtle things are much more dangerous because we don't even realize that we're doing it, right? I didn't even realize how badly I had gotten on this subject of body image and how negative I'd gotten about myself until I actually like pulled on the reins and said, whoa. And I didn't realize like how badly I had gotten about talking about this lady until I pulled on the reins and said, whoa, you know, it's just kind of like a little slope that I kind of just started tumbling down. Right. But in the middle of all this, there's hope. And we find that hope in Romans 8, 23 through 25. And this is what Paul says. He says, and not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the spirit, Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what man seeth, what does he yet hope for? But if we hope for that which we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. So, I love these scriptures here because they do talk about hope. And they talk about, I love that even we ourselves groan within ourselves. Because I felt like that's kind of what I was doing this week. Because I was groaning within myself being like, oh man, I have just messed up. Like, I just know that this is not where I need to be, right? And so we're waiting for... I thought it was perfect, the redemption of our body, taking away all these things and all this natural man stuff that makes us, you know, here on earth and, you know, making, taking the spiritual stuff and focusing on that. And we are saved by hope, a hope in Christ. We are made perfect in Christ. And that is my hope and faith is that one day I won't have to worry about all this stuff because I will be made perfect in Christ, right? Come Follow Me continues on. It says, what reasons for this hope do you find in chapter 8? You might also look for blessings that come from having the Spirit of God dwell in you. And that's from Romans 8, 9. Okay, so Romans 8, 9. Let's talk about that one. It says, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be that Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And so I think he's talking there about having the Spirit of Christ in our hearts helps us kind of overwhelm that natural man. And that way we're not in the flesh, but we're in the Spirit instead when we have that Spirit of Christ with us, right? So what reasons for hope do you find in chapter 8? Well, here are some of the scriptures I found from chapter 8 that to me were full of hope. The first one is verse 2. It says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Jesus Christ hath made me free from the law of sin and death. And so just the simple fact that testimony that is contained right there in that verse in Romans 8, 2, you know, the spirit of life in Jesus Christ has made me free. And it's made me free of all the sin and death and all the yucky stuff in this world 
I know that I'm free from that because I believe in Jesus Christ and because I follow him. And as I repent and as I you know, ask for forgiveness, I can come closer to him. Picking up in Romans 8, 14, 16, and 17. Here we go. For as many are as led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. I would also edit that to say they are the daughters of God as well, right? The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if we are children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And I love that being being like called a joint heir with Christ. How amazing is that? That because of Christ's sacrifice and because of what he did for us, we are heirs of our Father in heaven. Like that is such a powerful blessing. And I love that in 16 it talks about the Spirit bearing witness that we are children of God. And that kind of goes back to what the introduction in Come Follow Me talked about, where he said, you know, he's kind of building them up like you are beloved of God. So when I get to the point where I am so down on myself, you know, with body image and with how I act under stress, and then I kind of start beating myself up for, you know, failing at those two things, then I need to remember, no, I'm actually a child of God. Like, you know, I'm a child of God. That's who I truly am. I'm not truly this body. I'm not truly those actions that I took. I am a child of God. And finding my identity in that helps me when I am warring within myself, okay? And verse 26, I love this one. This is one of my favorite scriptures here. It says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. I love that phrase that the Spirit makes intercession with us for groanings which cannot be uttered. You know, have there ever been times where you sat down and you've prayed and you're like, Heavenly Father, things are just such a mess. I don't even know what to pray for. Like, I just, you know, and you just like just feel like your heart is just opening up and you're just like emptying your heart, not necessarily with words, but just through emotion. And I feel like in that particular instance, this only happened to me a couple of times in my life where I've ever been like that overwhelmed. But when that happens, it, like the groanings which cannot be uttered, that describes that perfectly. And so I love that phrase in the scriptures this week. 27. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. And that is one of the scriptures that if I were into tattoos, I would want to get tattooed. We know all things work together for good to them that love God. Everything you've been through, everything I've been through, everything we go through in this life is for our good. There is good in every single bad thing, you know, it may be really hard to find and you may have to just squeeze it down to get those drops of goodness out of there. But there's something in there that you can make that's good out of it. And I've seen that happen over and over and over again in my life. All right, 31. And what shall we say then to these things? For if God be with us, who can be against us? And again, I love that too, because if we are in the work of God, if we are doing what God wants us to do, if we are representing him and he's with us, who can stand against us? And it may not be easy. It may be hard to stand with whatever we're doing or fight, you know, for God, but it's going to be possible. We're going to be able to get through it with him with us. 38. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature 
shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I love that so much because it doesn't matter what I look like. It doesn't matter what I act like. It doesn't matter what I do. My Heavenly Father still loves me. It doesn't matter, you know, how much money I make, how much money I don't make. It doesn't matter what I'm wearing. It doesn't matter, you know, what calling I have. It doesn't matter what job I have. It doesn't matter if I'm a mother or not, or I'm married or not. It doesn't, all that stuff doesn't matter because none of that can separate me from the love of my Heavenly Father and my love of my Savior. And that's what I love about those verses in Romans 38 and 39. Nothing can separate us from them. And I think that is beautiful. So those are some of the verses I found in Romans 8 that give me hope, especially when I'm more against my inner man, that give me hope for the future and give me hope for the love that my Heavenly Father has in me. All right, Come Follow Me asks, how can you seek the companionship of the Holy Ghost more fully in your life? We talk about this, I feel like, every episode. Um, <laughs> but I guess that's good because Come Follow Me is all about helping the Holy Ghost be more in our lives. But... If we go back in and we look at the scriptures that we just read, it looks like Paul is talking about in Romans 8, listening to the Spirit. And he talks about, we are led by the Spirit of God, the Spirit itself beareth witness, the Spirit helpeth our infirmities, the Spirit itself maketh intercession with those groanings, right? So there's all those different ways that the Spirit works with us in our lives. So I think a big part of seeking the companionship of the Holy Ghost and keeping it with me, like Paul talks about in Romans 8, is by listening to it, by opening up my heart to the Spirit and looking for it in my daily walk, you know, and finding all the different places where the Spirit appears in my daily life as I go about. All right, the next section in Come Follow Me, we're still in Romans 8, which is interesting to me because I'm like, come follow me. You have so many chapters to choose from, but we're focusing a lot on Romans 8, but that's okay because there's good stuff in Romans 8. And this particular section is called the eternal glory that awaits the faithful far outweighs the trials of mortality. And it says, just a few years after Paul wrote this epistle, the saints in Rome suffered horrific persecutions. And they're talking about the whole thing with Nero and the Christians and being fed to the lions and the Colosseum and like all the really gross, awful things that the Christians endured underneath the Roman Empire. Okay. And what do you find in Romans 8, 17 through 39 that might have helped these saints when persecution came? And so I read a lot of those verses just now to you guys, but some of the ones just going back to them that I think would help me if I had been a Christian back then and I had this letter from Paul and I was relying on this letter from Paul is the, first of all, the witness that we are children of God. So I may be going through all this awful stuff that Nero heaped upon the Christians, but I am a child of God and I know that. Um, I love the scripture again about being a joint heir with Christ, that I am an heir to my Father in heaven. That helps me get through th some things. And then in Romans 8, 18, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And we're going to read a quote in just a minute that talks about, you know, whatever we're going through, we're going to get to the other side and we're going to say, really, that's all that there was? Like, really? You know? And so I think when we get to the other side and we have a different perspective on what it is that we are going through, it's going to look radically different to us. All right. I also think this would have been comforting to the saints, the if God be for us, who can be against us? I think that would have been comforting to them. And then finally, the one that I love where it's like nothing can come between us and the love of Jesus Christ. So Paul is building them up. You know, you are beloved, you are saints in Christ and building them up because probably he knows. I don't know if he knows. Maybe he just has an inkling from the spirit that there is bad persecution and bad stuff awaiting the saints in a couple of decades, right? That there's going to be bad stuff going down. How might these words apply to you in the trials that you currently face? 
when, you know, taking my two examples of overwhelm and body image, um, with the body image one, the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And so to me, when I'm looking at that, I realize that I'm not just my body. Like, I'm not just what I look like. I'm not just, you know, the shape of my body. I am a child of God. And that is who my inner source of self really needs to be from, is that I am a child of God. And yeah, I need to take care of this body. And yeah, I need need to do what's best for it. But I also need to look past the, oh, I look fat, and focus on, like, what's really important. And I had an experience this week that really kind of brought this home for me. All right, so I talked a little bit about, you know, seeing a photo of myself and being like, ooh, I look fat. So here's the story behind that. So I was out to lunch with a friend, and it was a really good friend, and I was really excited to see her. I hadn't seen her in a long time. We had a really good time. It was a good lunch. We're walking around, like, this little shopping center in my town, and there's, like, this really cute, like, little, I guess, area that they've painted, and they put, like, this really cute, like, jelly bean kind of design on it, and across the top it says, be kind, and people are getting their pictures taken with it. I'm like, oh, that's so cute. You know, we're all about being kind. So my friend and I, we go and we get our picture taken and you know it's a cute picture of us like you know with arms around each other and it says be kind it's a really cute picture but the first thing I thought when I saw it was I look fat and I totally discounted the rest of that that there's a great message there I was having a great time and I was really lucky to see this friend right and so beyond the experience itself I was discounting all the rest of the things that my body means to me besides I look fat. And I actually posted this to my personal Facebook page and I wrote a little thing to go with it. I'm going to read it to you. So here's what I said. I wasn't going to post this photo because my immediate thought was I look fat. But that's a ridiculous reason not to post a photo of a dear friend taken in a fun place and with a message, be kind, that I feel is important. I've been thinking a lot about body image and body acceptance this week. I don't like that my first reaction to this image was ugh. I look fat. I'm working to reframe that mindset. I need to be kind. I need to be kind to myself. Weight and appearance are only one facet of who I am. When I look closer at this picture, I see feet and legs that easily walked two miles this morning. I see knees that have bruises on them because of all the time I spent on the floor this week decorating my new library, an opportunity I'm grateful for. I see a body that has fought multiple chronic illnesses and is currently feeling healthy enough that the smile on my face is genuine and not an I'm pretending to feel okay but I'm really sick smile. I see a tummy that just enjoyed a delicious lunch with a friend and I see my arm around a friend I'm lucky to know and the opportunity to spend time with her today was a blessing. So when I weigh all of that versus I look fat, it seems ridiculous not to post this photo. And that's kind of where I got from. I'm like, you know, look at those legs. Those legs walked two miles this morning. There have been times in my life where I haven't been able to even walk, like, from my parking spot to the store. You know, and the gift of being able to walk that easily and, like, not a big deal at all was huge to me. You know, and I have, I've been on a decorating streak in my library this week, and I'm so grateful that I have the ability to do that. I'm very artsy-fartsy, and so I do have the artistic ability to do that, and that is something that comes with this body that I was so frustrated with. That talent comes through this body, and so I was like, well, I'm really grateful for that talent that I was able to do that, and, you know, I'm grateful for being able to taste food. I mean, I know I have a friend who had cancer, and she has chemotherapy, and now she can't taste stuff, so being able to 
taste that lunch that I just had. Like, and those are all things that are part of my body, but I don't see them because all I can think of is I look fat. The podcast I was listening to talks about, you know, you're not automatically going to swing from I look fat to, oh, I'm fabulous and everything's great. And in fact, the phrase she used, I love this phrase. She said it was a subtle violence towards our mindset. A subtle violence. I'm like, how cool of a phrase is that? First of all, it's like an oxymoron, but it's also the perfect descriptor for when we try and make ourselves something that we're not, or we try and move too quickly from one mindset to another. And it is a subtle violence against ourselves when we try and push ourselves to something that we're not. And then all of a sudden, not only are we feeling bad because of the way we look, but now we're feeling bad because we're not accepting of the way we look. And so she was like, you know, you just need to take those little steps just towards, you know, body acceptance, and then you can go towards body positivity. But just, you know, even body neutrality. Can we just be neutral about our bodies? And getting to that point first, those little steps before moving on to body confidence and then body, you know, positivity. So moving towards body neutrality, that's where I'm working towards. But subtle violence. And that reminded me a lot of Paul too, because of all the different ways that we fight against the natural man with subtle violence. Um, And I don't know. I'm just thinking about that a lot this week. Okay, going back to Come Follow Me, which, you know, the question that I was answering was, how might these words apply to you in the trials you're currently facing? So with my trial of overwhelm, where I feel is feeling overwhelmed and angsty about, you know, my new library, it's a new experience. I have trouble with new experiences. I know this about myself. Um, I can also tell you in about a couple weeks here, when school starts and we get going, situational depression is going to hit big time. Um, I just know that, though. I know that about myself, and I'm ready for it. I've got my tools to help kind of get through that. But, yeah, I know that that's just who I am, right? And so the scripture I found to go along with that is, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. And then that goes into the, we know not what we should pray for, but the Spirit maketh intercession with what groanings that cannot be uttered. But the Spirit helpeth our infirmities. So when I am overwhelmed and when, you know, I know that situational depression is coming, the angst that I feel about, you know, starting off the school year in a place that is not familiar to me. And I'm really homesick too for my old school is a lot, is a lot of what's playing into this. When I feel all that, you know, praying to my Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, can you just remind me through the Spirit of perspective and where I am and where I need to be and let the Spirit help with my infirmities. You know, like Paul says in, you know, Romans eight twenty six, that's what I can pray for. And, you know, to have the Spirit with me to help remind me perspective of what I need to be doing. And so I don't take that overwhelm out in really negative kind of outlet like I had been doing. And then Come Follow Me asks, look for connections between these verses and the counsel from Sister Linda S. Reeves. And this is Sister Linda S. Reeves, worthy of our promised blessings. And this is what she says. I do not know why we have the many trials that we have, but it is my personal feeling that the reward is so great, so eternal and everlasting, so joyful and beyond our understanding that in the day of reward, we may feel to say to our merciful loving Father, Was that all that was required? I believe that if we could daily remember and recognize the depth of that love our Heavenly Father and our Savior have for us, we would be willing to do anything to be back in their presence again, surrounded by their love eternally. What will it matter, what we have suffered here, if in the end those trials are the very things which qualify us for eternal life and exaltation in the kingdom of God with our Father and Savior? So I love that. That is awesome, Sister Reeves. What will it matter in the end? All of the things I've went through, what will it matter? 
after this life, what will it matter what my body looked like after this life? It'll matter what I learned from it and how I changed and what I was become. You know, we talked about in the last episode, becoming. So again, if that's going to be what the very things that qualified me for eternal life and exaltation, a body is the thing that allows me to undertake those ordinances that will qualify me for eternal life and exaltation. And a body is the thing that I'm fighting against. I don't know, that brought some really good perspective to me as, as well. Okay, Come Follow Me asks, decide what you will do to daily remember and recognize God's love for you. And, you know, I've already said praying. Praying is going to be like my first line of defense on that. But I also, you know, I sat in a couple of therapy sessions this week with my son as he was going through his panic attack, you know, therapy I talked about in last episode. One of the things that the therapist told him that I thought was really interesting is she says, you know, when we have our thoughts, we tend to start thinking in patterns. So, you know, there may be a trigger and you start feeling that trigger and you start feeling anxiety. And even though you're not in trouble or you're not in danger, your body's telling you it's in danger just because it's been triggered by that thing. And so something's gone a little haywire in the brain that causes that connection, right? So when that happens and when you've been triggered, you need to be looking around and retraining your brain. And telling your brain, hey, so I'm really panicky. Is there a reason to be panicky? You look around. No, everything's fine. You're fine. And then you start using your coping tools to kind of calm back down off of that anxiety attack, right? That was really interesting to me when she says, you know, our brains are trained to think in certain patterns. My brain immediately was trained when I looked at that picture to think, oh, I'm fat. That's exactly what I was looking for. The first thing I pulled up was like, do I look skinny or fat? Like that is where my brain was trained for. And so I need to stop and retrain my brain. And that is my prayer, that I will be able to stop and think about what I am doing without having that pattern just shoot through. Or once that pattern shoots through, I can say, okay, that was an incorrect way of thinking. Like I need to stop and rethink about this. You know, when my first impulse, when I get to my library and I'm overwhelmed, is to start complaining about the previous librarian, I need to stop and I need to retrain my brain and be like, no, you're not upset at the previous librarian. You are overwhelmed, and that's how it's coming out, and you need to stop it. And that's really what I got from this week. Decide what I will do to daily remember and recognize God's love for me. Stop and retrain my brain to think about his love and think about the gifts that he's given me. Like I did in that photograph where instead of thinking, oh, I look fat, look at all the good things that my body can do, all the blessings that come from my body, and focus on that and the love that he has for me, that he gave me that body, and that he gave me the different trials and things that I hate so much, but that he gave me those trials to bring me closer to him and he gave me those trials to learn from and to grow and to focus on that the overwhelm that I'm feeling right now is another trial that is going to give me grace and it's going to give me the ability to overcome and so I need to stick with that and you know this trial that I keep complaining about of you know the new school and everything I'm sure in about a year if you were to ask me it's going to be the biggest blessing of my life I will be so excited about it it's just that it's new and that is throwing me for a loop because I know new stuff is hard for me. So I know in just about a year or so, I will be totally fine with it. But right now it's a trial, you know? So being able to stop and look and think and remember God's love for me, that he has nothing but love. He's not going to put something in my path that's bad for me. 
everything he's given to me is for my good. Like Paul said this week, you know, everything works out for the good of those who love God. So that is what I'm going to do to daily remember and recognize God's love for me. All right, next section in Come Follow Me, which this is actually pretty interesting to me. It's actually something I've wondered about before. Um, It says, what did Paul mean by predestinate election and foreknow? And it says, Paul used these terms to teach that some of God's children were predestined or appointed beforehand to receive special blessings and duties so that they could bless all the nations of the world. Based on premortal worthiness, God chose those who would be the seed of Abraham and the house of Israel and become the covenant people. These people were given special blessings and duties so they could bless all the nations of the world. However, even these chosen ones must be called and elected in this life in order to gain salvation. And I think that's interesting because, you know, there are some religions out there that believe in predestination that you are predestined to go to heaven or predestined to go to hell. And, you know, that's it. We don't believe that. We believe that there are those who are elected before this life or set apart before this life for certain callings, but they have to take it on and they still have agency. Come Follow Me goes on and says, This was based on God's foreknowledge of his children's willingness to follow Jesus Christ and become like him. However, Paul emphasized in Romans 9-11 through that no matter how we come into the house of Israel or become a member of the church, all people must receive salvation individually through faith in Jesus Christ and obedience to his commandments. And this was a question I had for my dad. Like, uh, I, th- I remember being a freshman in college and asking my dad, calling him, we'd studied something in the Book of Mormon that had, like, you know, caused this, this question to come in my mind. And I was like, okay, so coordination, predestination, all that stuff. Like, how does agency fit into this? You know, if Abraham was foreordained and was elected, appointed beforehand before this life to come to this earth and be what he was, how is there agency? And my dad explained it to me. He's like, you know, and this is what come follow me when it says this was based on God's foreknowledge of his children's willingness to follow Jesus Christ. My dad says, you know, I would say I know my children pretty well. He's like, if I were to take one of you guys, like say you're like four or five years old, and I put you in a room with a plate of brownies and I leave the room. I know what's going to happen. And I was like, well, Dad, hold up. I'm 19 years old, and I can still tell you. If you put me in a room by myself with a plate of brownies, I can tell you what's going to happen. He's like, exactly, see? And he's like, and that's just me as your, like, earthly father knowing you as I do. He's like, imagine what your heavenly father, who knows you better than you know yourself, imagine how well he knows what you're going to do when you're going to get to earth, when he puts you in these situations, the rooms with the plates of brownies, He knows what you're going to do, right? Not because it's already been done or not because you don't have choice, but because he knows you so well. And I'd like to think in certain instances because he trusts me, you know, that he puts me in certain situations because he trusts me and he knows that I'll choose the right in those situations. And that's a really cool feeling too, to know that your father in heaven trusts you to carry on whatever it is that you are elected or set aside or appointed beforehand before this life to carry out. Continuing on in Come Follow Me, it says, The doctrine of foreign nation applies to all members of the church, not just to the Savior and his prophets. Before the creation of the earth, faithful women were given certain responsibilities, and faithful men were foreordained to certain priesthood duties. I love that they included the women, because a lot of times you just hear about this as being a priesthood thing, but they included the women, and not only that, they listed them first, so I think that's cool. As people prove themselves worthy, they will be given opportunities to fulfill the assignments they then received. And so, I think that's cool to know that before we came to this life, there were certain things that were set up for us to do. 
And I hope that we remain worthy of that and that we can, you know, I can follow my heavenly father and listen to the spirit and be prompted in the ways that I need to, to fulfill whatever that particular calling that my heavenly father has for me. All right. The last section in the main part of Come Follow Me says, Paul invites me to become a true saint and follower of Jesus Christ. The last five chapters of Romans contain dozens of specific instructions regarding how saints should live. You may not be able to apply all of this counsel at once, but listen to the Spirit and He can help you find one or two things that you could start working on today. Share your desires with your Heavenly Father in prayer and ask for His help. Okay, so... You guys know my two big issues that I was working on this week. I've talked about it ad nauseum, I know. But that's what I came away with from this particular reading this week. And so the scriptures I found to go along with that was in Romans 12. And it says, Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect and will of God. That is the counsel from Paul that I took for this week for myself to present my body as a living sacrifice to my Savior. And that includes not only following him and using my body for those ordinances and to choose the right and to do the things that would make him proud, but also honoring my body for that role and loving my body for what it is. And also, like it said in verse 2, being not conformed to the world and the world's view of what beauty is and the world's view of what is acceptable. Because God's view of, it, of what is acceptable is completely different from the world's view. And we see that because, you know, what's on TV? The way people are acting, is that acceptable to God? No, but that's acceptable to the world. So the world's got it really messed up. So I don't need to think about what the world has acceptable. I need to think about what my God says is acceptable. And I love the be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good acceptable and perfect. And so that goes back to that retraining of your brain that I talked about just a few minutes ago, where I need to stop and think and look around and be like, okay, so is there really reason to be this down about things? No, there's not. There's reasons to be grateful. There's reasons to be overjoyed. And there's reasons to come closer to your Savior and retrain my brain in those patterns so that I stop looking at the negative and start looking at the positive. I start looking for that which is good and acceptable and perfect in the will of God, right? And so that is the counsel that I'm going to take to heart. I've already shared those desires with my Heavenly Father in prayer. And so I hope that he's going to help me with that as I go through that in the next couple weeks. All right, down into the ideas for family scripture study and family home evening. The first suggestion that it gives is from Romans 7.23. And Romans 7.23 is the warring within yourself thing. It says, But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. But it says, To help your family understand more about this warring, described by Paul in this verse, consider sharing the story about the wolves in Elder Shane M. Bowen's article. And it's a story about an old Cherokee. He's teaching his grandson about life. And he says, A fight is going on inside of me. It is a terrible fight, and it is between two wolves. One is evil, and he represents anger, envy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, and ego. 
All the bad stuff, right? All the bad stuff in the world. That's what that wolf rep- represents. He continues, the other is good. He is joy and peace and love and hope and serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. All the good stuff in the world. And those two wolves are fighting together inside of you. The same fight is going on inside of you and inside of every other person too. The grandson thought about it for a minute, and then he asked his grandfather, which wolf will win? And the old Cherokee simply replied, the one you feed. So which wolf will win our war inside of us? It's whatever wolf we decide to feed. And it, to me, it looked like I had been feeding a little bit the negative wolf. And so I'm going to start feeding the positive wolf. But it was interesting to me the different cultures that have picked up on this because it is such a natural thing that happens in humankind that, you know, the Cherokee, they had this particular story in the in the Cherokee culture, I guess. And then also we see it though, like, I mean, even in our everyday TV shows and stuff, you see like the little angel on one shoulder and the little demon on the other shoulder and they're fighting with each other. Like, that's a very common representation of this war that's happening inside of us. I just think that's a really interesting way to kind of describe this story. It's, it would be a really good story to share with your kids because I think that that would make it really much easier for them to understand that warring inside rather than saying, you know, the natural man is an enemy to God. And so the natural man versus our spiritual selves, like that is a little bit esoteric maybe for kids. But the wolf story, I think, makes it real. And I like that a lot. All right. Then in Romans 9, 31 through 32, Elder Wilfred W. Anderson's message, the music of the gospel can help illustrate what Paul teaches about the law, works, and faith. Your family might enjoy discussing his talk and trying to dance without music. How is dancing without music like obeying the gospel without faith? Okay, so there's a doctor who's working in a hospital in the Navajo Nation. And he's working late one night. He's in the ER. And a Native American comes in. He's a little bit older. And he sits in the emergency room. And the doctor takes his clipboard, walks up to him and says, how can I help you? And the old man looks straight ahead and says nothing. And the doctor's like, "Uh, okay, well, I don't have time for this. Like, I cannot help you if you don't speak to me. Like, what can I do? Why are you here? And the old man looked at him and said, do you dance? And as the doctor pondered this question, it occurred to him that maybe he was looking for tribal medicine, like a tribal medicine man, you know, who might heal the sick through song and dance rather than prescribing medication. And the doctor says, no, I don't dance. Do you dance? And the old man nodded, yes. And the doctor then asked, can you teach me to dance? And the old man's response for many years has caused much reflection. And it says, I can teach you to dance, but you have to hear the music. And so I think about that as it applies to the gospel. And if you've ever gone in and you've looked like the extra scenes of movies, like, you know, on the end of DVDs or whatever, and they've got like the extra bonus clips. Um, if there's ever like a party scene or like prom or something like that, go in and watch it. It's really interesting because they film those scenes without music. So you have all these people dancing in the background and stuff, and there's no music. They go in and they add the music in after production. And they do that because they're trying to get the audio dialogue nailed down first. And it's their equipment that they're using is so expensive that they want to make sure that they get the audio really clear. And so they don't have the music kind of overblasting and overpowering the audio, right? So all these people are having to dance, like, pretty much in silence. Like, it is so awkward to watch. You can also look up on YouTube, um, dance scene, no music, and, like, there are several, like, Footloose is on there, there's a Spider-Man scene where they take these dance scenes and they make them without music, and they're just really awkward, and they're just kind of, like, stilted, and it just is uncomfortable to watch. You feel bad for the people in it. 
But I have to think that that is kind of like maybe living the gospel without actually believing it. It's uncomfortable. It looks weird. It feels weird. It doesn't feel right without believing it. You know, I said in my last episode, I think it was, where, or maybe a couple episodes ago, I don't know, but you better believe the church is true if you're going to live it because it's a really hard religion to live if you don't believe it's true. And so I think that that's kind of what they're going on about out here is that you better believe the church is true. That's the music so that you can dance because if you're just dancing without music, you look silly, right? It feels silly. It doesn't feel right. So you got to make sure that the faith is there to carry on, you know, so you can hear that music so you can dance. And I wanted to end with this particular section from the family study guide. Um, and it says Romans 10, 17, 15, four, how has studying the word of God brought us the blessings described in these verses? Perhaps family members could share some of their favorite scriptures, and it directs you to 2 Nephi 25, 26 as well. And 2 Nephi 25, 26 says, And we talk of Christ. We rejoice in Christ. We preach of Christ. We prophesy of Christ. We write according to our prophecies that our children may know to what source they may look for a remission of their sins. All right, and then the verse from Romans 10, Romans 10, 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. I wanted to end with that because I love that idea, especially as it relates to Come Follow Me, that studying the Word of God through Come Follow Me has brought some of those blessings where I'm hearing the Word and I'm applying it to my life. And then the verse from Second Nephi where it talks about, I'm talking about Christ. I'm rejoicing in Christ. I'm preaching Christ. I'm, you know, prophesying of Christ. I write about Christ. You know, that my children may know where to turn for their sins, so my son, but also that I may know where to turn for remission of my sins. And I may know where my faith is in Christ. I may strengthen my faith in my Heavenly Father and in Jesus Christ. And that's what studying the scriptures has done for me, is it's really cemented that relationship between me and my Heavenly Father and my Savior, Jesus Christ. And so Come Follow Me has been a really big, integral part of that. So I'm really grateful for that. All right, guys, I think with that, we're going to wrap up this week's episode Thank you for listening. Thank you for being patient through all my body image talk. Um, I appreciate that. I'll post links to those two podcasts that inspired me a little bit um, in my show notes. And I'll put the picture in the show notes so you can see that and the actual Facebook post that I wrote. I'll put all that in there. But I hope you guys have a wonderful week. Stay positive. Keep reading the scriptures and trying to be like Jesus. Bye, y'all. The Savior Said is not an official product or endorsed by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. All comments and opinions are my own personal opinions and not representative of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The music used in The Savior Said is Fireflies and Stardust by Kevin McLeod. The hymn quoted in the opening is Come Follow Me, lyrics by John Nicholson. The Come Follow Me curriculum can be found at comefollowme.churchofjesuschrist.org. For show notes, new episode alerts, and other fun and inspirational things, check out my Facebook page at facebook.com slash thesaviorsaid. Have a question or comment? Email me at thesaviorsaid at gmail.com. Content in The Savior Said is copyright protected. All rights are reserved. Thank you for listening.